Wonderful, wonderful Savior. What a privilege it is to serve him. Does anybody count it all joy? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 1 to verse 16. When you got it, say so. Beginning in verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of christ's gift therefore he says when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we honor you for your grace and your mercy that endure forever. We thank you because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, we humble ourselves before you today, thanking you for the privilege that we have had to be in your beautiful, wonderful, and glorious presence. There is no place that we would rather be than in your presence, Lord. And God, we know that even as we have worshipped you this morning, and Lord God, you have something to say to us. Lord, we want to hear it. And so, God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying under your church, that we may be able to be that body of believers that is edified, that is equipped, Lord God, that is doing what you've called us to do. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your glory would fill every one of my brothers and sisters' lives and that as we, Father God, take your word and apply it in our lives, Father God, that you would manifest yourself in greater measures and greater levels. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Is our God a good God? Yes. How many of you love his presence? 
Amen. That's a couple of folks. That's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last week we began speaking from this portion of scripture and we dealt with verses 1 through 6. We talked about the importance of walking worthy of the calling with which each of us was called. All of us was called in that same hope. There's one body and one faith. And we discussed those things. We talked about the characteristics of a child of God and how we ought to operate in dealing with one another. How we should, you know, endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. How we should walk in humility. Say humility. We shouldn't walk around thinking that we're all that, glory to God. We should walk around with a humble estimation of who Christ is and who we would be apart from him. Mm -hmm. And so we learned a few things that we should deal with each, each other with long suffering. Say long suffering. That means patience, glory to God. Sometimes dealing with folks is, is a suffering. It is hard. It is difficult. And we're not supposed to give up midway, but we're supposed to continue on forward dealing with those things. How? And we're supposed to be bearing with one another with an attitude? No. Bearing with one another in love. Amen. Mm -hmm. Some marriages need to hear that word, glory to God. Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to do what? To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because we have all of these wonderful things. And when we, when we began to talk about or when I began to discuss this particular topic of being equipped, edified, and empowered, there was a monumental question that I asked and it was this, is Jesus getting what he paid for from you? Because we've got to measure and we've got to figure out if Jesus, if, if the Apostle Paul is inspired by the Spirit in verse 1 to say, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. That gives me to understand that there is a certain standard, a certain level of life that we who call ourselves Christians are supposed to live. Amen. Somebody. The word walk, it means, and I'm just going to reiterate what we spoke about last week, it means to live or to conduct yourself. The word worthily or to walk in a worthy manner, it means pertaining to being fit or proper in correspondence to what is expected. You could literally read this scripture and it would say, live a life that corresponds to the standard God set when he called you. None of us in this place should think that we just came to this cross of Jesus Christ. We received the gift of salvation, put it in our pocket, and now we got our ticket to heaven. And when we get to the gate, we're going to show this to, you know, whoever it is we're going to see there and be like, here's my ticket. I'm sorry, that, that ticket is going to be expired. <laughs> what you mean, Bishop? They're going to look at a date and they're, they're, they're going to see the date that you put that ticket in your pocket and you stop living worthily. Hello, somebody. Oh, Bishop, what are you saying? We've got to work to get into heaven. That is not what I'm saying at all. But your life should continue on in a certain pattern. Hallelujah. Your life should continue forward in a certain way. You and I should be living a life that is worthy of the calling with which we were called because we were called to represent the King of glory. Amen. As we continue on, because that's a little recap of last week, but I want to look next to verse 7, because we didn't get there, but he says something very vital to us. He says, but to each one of us, say to each one of us, grace was given, say grace was given, according to the measure, say according to the measure 
of Christ's gift. Say, of Christ's gift. And so he said this. He didn't say to some of you. You notice the scripture, right? The scripture said to each one. Now, this, 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 this book that we're reading here, this book that is part of, the, of our Bible, this particular letter to the Ephesian church was written to the Ephesian church. This wasn't written to a whole bunch of other people. It was written to a church. And so he's saying each one of you that is part of the church, you have been given grace. You have received grace, and not just any kind of grace, but you have received a specific measure. This is an important word. I want you to keep that word measure in mind because we're going to look at it three other times in these scriptures. But what we said last week was this. First of all, repeat this with me. The price that Christ paid requires a worthy response in our daily walk. And the scriptures that we looked at here in verses 1 through 6, they give us an understanding of character, the character that should be there. And I want to say something to you that is very important, and it is this. Before we try to minister in our gifts to others, we need to be demonstrating our worth. Mm -hmm. Because everybody, listen to me now, everybody, you know, recognizes they got a gift. They have a talent, they have an ability, they have some place to contribute, and glory to God. I want everybody to know that they're gifted in their call. But at the same time, as a leader, I have a responsibility to the scriptures and to God Almighty to ensure that we don't just let anybody do whatever they want without proving themselves. Mm -hmm. I know it got quite a, quiet up in here, glory to God. It's all right, though. Because we don't want to hear that. Prove, prove myself. What do, you, what, what do you mean I got to prove myself? Wait a second. Wait a second. If you're going to operate in, 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 in gifts and in, in certain, in certain things and doing certain stuff, you got to prove yourself. You got to demonstrate what? The fruit of the Spirit. Hello. Amen. See, because I'm going to tell you why this is important. It's important because gifts ain't got nothing to do with you. Did you hear me? Gifts are the gifts of who? The gifts of the Spirit. Now, wait a second. It is the Holy Ghost that manifests himself. It's not because you're so great or so wonderful. Understand what I'm saying? It is the gift of the Spirit. Your character is a totally different thing. See, because it is the it is the fruit of the Spirit that is now dwelling inside of you. So it is still a work of the Spirit. But see, the gift, see, because you see, I mean, look, you look in the book of Genesis, and you see God speaking through a donkey. Hello, somebody. Now, look, you, you, you think that donkey had any kind of character or there was something great about that donkey? There wasn't nothing great about that donkey. He just used the donkey to speak. Hello. And I submit to you that we got some donkeys, glory to God. In our day and age, they don't want to develop into the people that God wants them to be. That's the reason why the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that we should not put a novice or a new convert into ministry. Why? Because when you do that, they get puffed up with pride. They start to think that they're all that. And then you can't correct them. You can't tell them anything because they know everything. They're so deep with God. They got all this revelation. Mm -hmm. But why is it like that? Because character has to be developed. And what we see here is the apostle saying, listen, walk worthy of the calling. 
demonstrate the character you need to demonstrate. Don't be walking around here calling yourself a Christian, not looking like a Christian. Don't be walking around here acting like you're a Christian if you are not a Christian. Don't be living a double life. Hello, somebody. This is what he's saying. But he goes on and he communicates. He said it's important for you to deal with each other this way because each of you has a gift. Each of you has received a gift. So the first thing that we learned was that the price that Christ paid requires a worthy response in our daily walk. The second thing, please repeat this after me, the price that Christ paid release gifts that we are each responsible for. See, the moment that you were born again, the moment that you were truly born again, meaning that you received new life. I didn't say the moment you said a prayer. That's not what I said. I said the moment that you were born again, the moment that you truly repented of sin and you came to life, the Spirit of God came to dwell in you, there was something that happened. You received a full package. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got a full package. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. Listen, you, you received something when the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. Everybody did. Now, some of those things, those gifts of the Spirit, they may be lying dormant in you, meaning that they're not operating. They're not manifesting. That doesn't mean they're not there. Did you hear what I said? It doesn't mean they're not there. Just because you're not flowing in these gifts, just because you're not operating in these gifts, does not mean that those gifts are not there. Those gifts are there. And what we've got to do is, like the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, Son, stir up the gift of God that is within you. It is important for us to recognize that. But each of us, according to the scripture here, it says that, look at verse 7, but to each one of us, grace was given according to to the measure of Christ's gift. When you look at that word measure, it is the word metron in the Greek. And what it means is it means measured out. It means a determined amount. And what happened to each of us when we were born again, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, in his sovereign knowledge, you know what he did? He knew exactly what you needed in order to be able to fulfill the purpose God wanted you to fulfill. Did you get that? Every one of us. And he measured out the exact amount of what we needed in order to accomplish what he wanted. But can I say this again? It's not about you. <laughs> it is not about you. It is not about me. It is not about that. It is not about you being impressed with yourself because you are so gifted. Hello? It is about us being able to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. Now, let's continue to read because I want to show you some stuff here that got me pretty excited as I was studying the scriptures. He goes on to say this. He said, um, therefore, verse 8, he says, when he ascended, speaking of Jesus on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Again, he gave gifts to men. Verse 9 says, now, this he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? So Jesus comes from his throne of glory. 
glory. He descends to the earth. He becomes a man, dies in our place. We know he descended into the pits of hell. And then verse 10 says, and he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. So Jesus does what? He fills all things. He fulfills all prophecy, everything that needed to occur. He accomplishes every single one of them. He does it all. And then he ascends into heaven so he can do what? Sit down and take or just, just take a little break, take a little sabbatical? No. He gives gifts unto men. And then you know what he does? He's in glory and he's filling us with what? What is necessary in order to accomplish his will. Now let's keep reading. Scripture says, goes on to say, <clears throat> Verse 11, he says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So he does what? He gave some as leadership within the church and there's a purpose for this leadership. It is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, let me just stop here. I want you to notice the first thing that it says here. It says that the purpose for leadership is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The first thing in that lineup of wonderful stuff that we'll continue to read, he says it is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So here's the question. Are you a saint? If you're not a saint, then I'm wasting my time this Sunday morning. Hello, somebody. I, I, I know everybody ain't a saint, glory to God. I don't mean a saint like you're perfect. Hello. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need, because everybody's like, well, I'm no, I'm no saint. Listen, I'm not talking about that. Okay, because ain't none of us perfect. Everybody was like, well, I'm not a saint, and so, Bishop, you're wasting your time, so I should close my Bible and go. No, 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 no. That is not what I'm talking about. When we're talking about a saint, a saint is a person, listen to me now, is a person who has been washed in the blood of Jesus. A saint is a person who has been separated by God for God and is, and is, and, and is, and is seeking God. That's a saint. So how many saints do we have in there? A couple of saints, glory to God. All right, praise the Lord. So we're going to have a good time. Hallelujah. But he says it is for the equipping of the saints to do what? To come to church on Sunday and sit down and hear the message. To come to church on Wednesday, sit down and hear the Bible study. To come to church on Friday, sit down, hear the Bible study. I'm sorry, it said to come to church on Sunday, worship the Lord, and then hear the message. Because some, some, some of us believe that we have done everything we need to do. Well, I came to church Sunday. I worship God. Listen to the preaching. We're good to go. Come to church on Wednesday. Prayed for the first 15 minutes. If you got here on time, glory to God. Went through Bible study. I'm a saint of saints. Does that sound like work to you, church? It sounds like work to me for some folks. What do you mean, Bishop? It sounds like work to me because obviously music ministry, they had to work to get ready for this. Hello? It sounds like work for the ones who are leading Bible study or preaching the message because if they're any good, then they studied. They got prepared. Amen? So my question is, where are you working? Mm-hmm. Just nudge your neighbor and say, where are you working? See, some of you are, are nudging a worker, glory to God. 
And that's good. Praise the Lord. And like, I'm working here. Don't, I, we don't need the resume. Praise the name of the Lord. But you know what should happen is the saints, the people of God that call themselves children of God, they need to be working because you know what? Other folks wouldn't have such a long list of stuff mm-hmm, that they're doing because what? Because somebody else got involved based on what? Their gifts, their abilities. Look what the scripture says. The scripture clearly, clearly says the purpose of leaders. It doesn't say the purpose of leadership. I'm telling you what it's inferring here. Because you're going to look, where does it say purpose of leadership? Look what it says. And he gave himself some, and I'm just going to say leadership, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That word equipping means to completely furnish. In other words, it, 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 it isn't just an empty house because you're not empty. Amen? It is completing the furnishing. It is putting on the final touches. It is helping you with character and doing what? And so how do we do that? Well, well, we do it by training you. We do it by teaching you. We do it by developing you. We do it by giving you opportunities and things like that. But you know what happens a lot of times? Let me just tell you what happens sometimes. Not all the time. But sometimes... You know, I remember Pastor Robert, he started, he, he's the one, you know, he's a teacher in the church. And he, he came to me one day and he said, Bishop, I have this, you know, I got this revelation from God. And he said, and I, I, want, I want us to do a mentoring program. And I said, praise the Lord. So he went ahead and he broke it down. And as time has progressed, you know, we've, we've added things to it. But the thing that Pastor, what was in Pastor Robert's heart was, you know what? What I want to do is I want to develop people through this mentoring program. And that way, the people who come through the mentoring program, can then teach the mentoring program. Now hear me. Listen, li- li- listen to his heart. Pastor Robert, I, can't even, I, I don't know how many times he's done the mentoring program. And I want to let you know that there is a minuscule, a tiny amount of people who are actually teaching. Hello, somebody. This, this is important. Why? Because we're supposed to be a disciple-making church. See, let me, let, 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 can, 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 I, can, can I tell you what, what, what the church nowadays does? The church nowadays, they just get fat. What do you mean? What I mean is, they come to service after service, wonderful time in worship. I think sometimes the reason why God doesn't like just totally just manifest and just overwhelm us with his glory is because he's like, can y'all just stop singing to me and start doing something else for me? I know, I know you didn't want to hear that, and I don't want to hear that either, you know, because sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to just get up, glory to God, and just go do something. But listen, listen. The reason why I say that is not because I'm trying to be mean, not because God doesn't want to hear you worship him. Come on now, we know better than that. But listen, listen to me. When is it? that you've been in his presence long enough? When is it that you've heard enough of his word? When is it that you've been corrected enough that you decide that you are now going to carry his glory? Did you hear me? Because that's what the work of the ministry is. See, whether we believe this or not, that is what the church, now now I I want you to notice this because we automatically, this is what we do. We think of ministry, you know what we think of? 
We think of Brother Jimmy ministry. We think of Pastor Elaine ministry. We think of Pastor Robert ministry. We think of Pastor Marisol ministry. We think of Bishop ministry. We think of the pastors, and we automatically correlate the words ministry with leadership. That's not what the scriptures do, though. The scriptures say that you, look at your neighbor, say neighbor, you are responsible for ministry. You are responsible for ministry. God has placed, this is what this whole, if, if, if I could just say what this whole series is about, it is about this first portion of verse 12. That is what this is about. It's about body working. Now let's continue on to read here together. Look at what he goes on to say. It says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, remember that word measure a little while ago? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body being joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Notice it didn't say by what the leadership supplies. Said by what every, well, excuse me, it says by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which some parts. Is that what it says? I hope your Bible doesn't say that. If it does, you should throw it away immediately. <laughs> by which every part does its share now i want you to know that word share right there is the word measure again it's the same word metron in the greek so it could say while every part does its measure causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love now here's what i want to point out here i want to point out in verse 16 you see that word at the end it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love now when you look at verse 12 look at what the second portion of the verse is it says for the edifying of the body of christ you see those two words it's the same identical word in the greek it is the same word okodome it is the same word it means to build up that's what it means so notice what the scripture says the scripture says that the body will cause itself to grow if what? If everybody is doing its part. What's the title of, of the whole series of messages? Body work. Why is this important? It is important because you will notice something about your own physical body. You can give your body whatever you want, but your body has to respond to what you are giving it in order for your body to produce whatever it's supposed to produce. When a doctor gives you a type of medicine, then your body has to respond to that medication in order for it to produce the healing or for it to produce the, you know, whatever it needs to do, and your body has to respond to it. Why is this important, church? Because we, as the body, have got to respond to what God is saying. We, as the church, listen, whenever somebody goes and they, and, and, and they work out and all of this type of stuff, you know, what they, you know what they say? They say, after a little while of you working out, you know, you're going to hit a plateau. And what does that mean? That means your body stopped working. 
What do you mean, Bishop? It stopped working. It's not, it's, a, it's not responding any longer to whatever you're doing. So what do you got to do? You got to change gears. You got to do something to shock your body. Glory to God. We need some body shocking up in here. Hallelujah. Women going to the Oviedo Marketplace, shock. Glory to God. That's what, uh-huh, uh-huh, glory to God, uh-huh. Yeah. That, that was a shock to the body. For what? Because sometimes we got to be shaken, church. Because we sit down and we hear this stuff. But you know what we got to do? We've got to get the body working. So what does that mean? That means this. That means that if you as the saints begin to do what God has called you to do, begin to operate the way that God has called you to operate, then there are some wonderful things that the scriptures say happen. Because when leadership is training and offering you vehicles in order to grow in the things of God, the first thing that he says is going to happen here for the edifying of the body of Christ. When the body, when everybody is doing what they are called to do, here's what begins to happen. Everybody in the body operating, functioning, doing what they're called to do, and all of a sudden we begin to grow. But I'm not talking about numeric growth. That's not what I'm trying to focus on because that's too too small of a picture for God. I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm talking about development the way that God wants us to. There is an edifying that begins to happen because as I begin to do what I'm called to do, I begin to challenge you to do what you're called to do. And now all of a sudden, we begin to grow to another level. As I'm finding myself in prayer, you're finding yourself being challenged to pray more. As I'm finding myself memorizing and meditating on scripture, you're doing that. And you want to know what? Here's something that we learn as we're growing up. For some reason, we listen to our peers better than we listen to our leaders. Hello, somebody. So that's the reason why it is important for everybody to do it. Because, see, you're going to be able to challenge someone at a better. But can I tell you why the challenge is going to be so much better? Because here's the thing. Most folks won't be who they really are in front of leaders. Did you hear what I just said? Most folks won't really demonstrate what they need, but you know what they'll do? They'll do it around you while you're sitting down hanging out. Hello. And you know what you've got to be? You don't got to be some super hyper, over spiritual, dramatic person. You ain't got to be all that. Listen, all you got to do, I've said this before, you got to have the love of Christ operating in you. What does it say? It says later on in the text, it says, speaking the truth in what? Love. Speaking the truth in love, and then what happens? The body begins to edify. The body begins, because that's how the body works. But listen, if the head, which is Jesus Christ, is sending signals to the neck, which may be me and the other leaders in the church, hello. The rest of the body has got to get into full function. So what? So we can have this beautiful part that we talked about, which is the building up of the saints. But we continue on to read because it doesn't stop there. When the body is operating, there's something else that happens. We begin to be edified. We begin to be built up. And then he says this. He said, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So as everybody is doing their portion, as everybody is operating according to what the scriptures say, then here's what happens. We begin to not only grow, grow and become more mature in areas but we are also growing closer in unity of faith so you know what that means that means that we are believing the same word we are believing for the same promises we are believing for the same purpose we are believing for the same product because what we are growing in the unity of faith but we are also church growing in the unity of the full knowledge of the son of god why 
How do we do that? How do we grow in the full knowledge of the Son of God? Because you know what? You only get partial knowledge of the Son of God when the leadership or, or a select group of people are the only ones who are manifesting Christ. You hear what I said? See, it's, it, it's, it's expected. It's expected that I'm going to have a good marriage. Amen? That's what it said. Amen. Glory to God. I expected to have a good marriage. Hallelujah. That's why I married this beautiful woman. Glory to God. Because I knew I was going to have a good marriage. Praise the Lord. Not perfect, but good. Glory to God. See, it's expected of us. It's expected of all of those with that title, pastor or minister, that they're going to have a good marriage. But you know what's beautiful? It's beautiful when the people that don't have any titles have glorious and wonderful marriages. Because you know what? And I hate it. This, this is so, this is just like an oxymoron right now, what I'm going to say. But in many cases, it's not so expected from other people. Did you hear what I said? So when I walk into someone who's not a pastor's house and he really loves his wife, I'm getting a full measure and revelation of who Christ is. When I walk into someone's house and she or he is being a godly parent and dealing with their child and a godly... Wait, wait a second. That, that, that wasn't expected. It should be expected. But it's not expected. You know why? And I, and, and I hate to even say this, but it's because we live double lives, church. We, 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 we live in the church like everything is good. We smile, we fake it. And then, when we go home, all of a sudden the masks come off. But can I tell you this, church? We shouldn't be no hypocrites. We should be living right and all out for Christ. We, 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 we shouldn't be putting on our best clothes when we come to church. Can I tell you something? This is the easiest place to be a Christian. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all need to, like, get dressed before you leave church to go home. Glory to God. Put on home clothes. Glory to his name. I don't know. Just something. Do, do something. And that way you go home walking in the blessing that God wants you to walk in. But how does that happen, church? That happens when the body is functioning the way that we're supposed to function. So we come to this place, this unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Now look at this, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, now let me pause. Remember I said earlier, he said that he's given us a measure. He's given us a measure. And what has he done? He said, okay. This is the stature, and we're just going to go ahead and use height for an example. I want this body of mine to be six feet five. And here's what I've done. I've given you six inches. I've given you 12 inches. I've given you three inches. I've given you five inches. I've given you a foot and a half. I've given different measures to different people for what? So that way I could bring everybody together to get to that place of six foot five. But here's the thing. We can't do it when only the person with the, you know, you can have five people with 12 inches each. And guess what? You're still a foot and a half short. And what the problem is, is that we are not putting it on. Even if you got one inch, baby, you've got to apply it. You've got to put in. You've got to, because we as the church will never reach where God wants us to go until our measure is added to the whole thing until we put in what God has put in us 
The issue is we think, well, the leadership got it because you know what we see? Oh, they got 12 inches. They got two feet. Glory to God. Oh, we, 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 we're gifted. Praise the name of the Lord for that reason. But we're not gifted so you could chill out. We're gifted to challenge you. And that's why I'm in your face right now. Glory to God. Because we as a church have got to contribute what God has deposited. He distributed some stuff. And if we don't do it, we never get to what? That measure. I said I would give the example of, 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 of height because it says to the stature of Christ. But it's not talking about height. It's talking about function. Did you hear me? It's talking about function. It's talking about what, what it, when, when we look at the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we look at the book of Acts like we're doing on, on, um, on, on Wednesday nights, you see the full measure of Christ, don't you? You see, that, that is the full measure of Christ. Walking into dead situations, bringing life. The full measure of Christ, walking into broken situations, bringing healing. You see the full measure of Christ, walking into difficult, broken people's lives and fixing whatever was broken there. You see Jesus entering into an atmosphere and absolutely turning it upside down. When you look at the book of Acts, you find the Holy Spirit manifesting and moving through men and women of God and through the church. And you know what was happening? Lives were being transformed. The Bible says those who have turned the world upside down have come here. And here's the thing, church, is that when the full measure of Christ is manifest in the way that it ought to be guess what the world gets turned upside down and that doesn't happen by any other vehicle except the church but it will never happen until we as the church are giving what God has given us that's what it means it's talking about function talking about operating in the fullness of what God wants us to operate in and let me encourage some of the brothers and sisters that you know you you you, you may not be that hot for God right now glory to God can I tell you something? He still deposited something inside of you. And we're just waiting for you to get on board so we can all move into what God wants us to move into. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Glory to God. See, church, here's the, here's the thing. When I talk about the full measure of Christ, I realize something. Faith Dome is only one measure of the big picture of what God wants to do. But you want to know something, church? I want to make sure that we do not come up short in anything that we are supposed to contribute as the body of Christ. Because at the end of the day, when I go stand before the Lord, I want to make sure that I've challenged, that I've preached, and that I've given every opportunity that I can to what? To see the church do what it is supposed to do. So he says he's given us a measure so we can come up to the full measure of what we're supposed to be, the fullness of Christ. But he goes on to say something. When the body is functioning correctly, we have this edification. When the body is functioning correctly, we have this unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. When the body is functioning correctly, we are coming up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But there is also something that occurs, and is that we end up coming to a place of maturity because it goes on in verse 14, and it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So here's what happens. We begin, to grow in, we begin to grow in Christ, and then as we are growing in this maturity, in this unity of faith, in this unity of knowledge, as we're growing into the, into the measure, into the stature of who Christ is. Now listen to me. As we do that, you know what's going to be happening all over the place? All over the place, 
there's going to be all kind of doctrine that is going to be coming. All kind of different things. All kind of move of this and move of that. Hear me, church. When we are walking in the unity of the faith, when we are walking in the unity of the spirit, when we are walking in the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, you know what? We're walking in that love and we're walking founded upon God's word. You know what we're able to do? We are able to refute those false teachings and we're not tossed over here thinking we're missing something. Hello? Because it, 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 Isn't that what the enemy wants us to do? He always wants to think we're missing something. He always wants us to think we're missing something. Had a, had a, had a wonderful conversation with someone the other day. You know, they, 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 they were taken out for Mother's Day. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. They weren't here for church. And I told him, I said, listen, you know, I just want to let you know, you know, that, you know, we missed you. Or no, you missed a really good service on Sunday. And, 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 and I was blessed by their response. Their response was, yeah, but we had a really good time where we were. Listen. I wasn't offended. I wasn't like, oh, my goodness. My, I wasn't trying to rebuke anyone. I was just trying to say, hey, man, we had a glorious time in the Lord. But you know why it blessed me? It blessed me because they, weren't, they, they were where they needed to be at that moment. Am I telling you to miss every Mother's Day Sunday? That's not what I'm saying. Hello. The point of the matter is that you have got to come to that place of maturity in Christ where you are looking for the face of Almighty God and where you are functioning and what God has called you to function in and you're not looking to the left, you're not looking to the right, you're not looking back. You, listen, you are looking for God and you are not over here. Am I missing? No, you're not missing anything. You need to walk with the King. Hello? But see, if we're not, if we're not functioning correctly, if we're not operating correctly, then you know what? All those winds of doctrine blow you this way, blow you that way. You end up being all messed up. We don't want to have that here. Amen? Verse 15, he says, but speaking the truth in love. See, that's the key there. We're going to talk about love next week. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him. Not some things. Listen. God Almighty wants us, his church, to not just be mature in one area. He wants us to be mature in all areas. Did you hear me? He wants us to be mature in every area when it comes to his word, when it comes to his spirit, when it comes to our function as his people. He wants us to grow up in all things. But you know what? We won't grow up in all things if we are not speaking the truth in love. In verse 16, we're getting ready to close. From whom the whole body, see, because from Christ is where everything comes. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its measure. Listen to me, church. You and I have got to find our measure and start contributing it we have to we have got to find our measure you see there's something that happens when we look at these things and it is the third thing and it, it in, in my points here and it is that we get a revelation of our new identity we start to realize that I'm not just a mother I'm not just a father I'm not just an employee I'm not just a neighbor. I am someone who has received a specific deposit from Almighty God. And it is my responsibility to allow Christ, who lives in me, to manifest his fullness through my life. 
So we get this revelation that we have this identity. And the identity is I'm now a child of God, fully loaded. God has placed some stuff in me. And I have a choice. I can either let my flesh get in the way or I can go ahead and let God have his way. It's a choice that I make, not one time, but every day. It's a choice that we consistently have to make. And it is my prayer that each of us would realize that when we look at the price that Christ paid, because going back to the beginning of this message, when I shared last week, everything that we are, everything that we have, all goes back to one thing, and that is what Christ did for us. And when you and I look at what Christ did for us, we've got to respond. And you know what? We will. We will either respond in the affirmative and we will say, Lord, I recognize what you did and what you did was good enough for me to live my life for you. Or we will respond in the negative and say, maybe another day. It is my prayer that you will leave this place today having made that decision that I will serve him, that what he did for me was enough because it requires us to humbly say, Lord, here I am. And so you may be in this place and you may have never made that decision. Today's a wonderful day. You may have made that decision a long time ago and walked away from that decision. Today's another wonderful day for you to get back in line with what God wants. Someone ask everybody to stand up, please. Bow your heads.